Hello and welcome to Things Musicians Don't Talk About with your hosts Hattie Butterworth and me Rebecca Toll. Within our vibrant musical world it can often feel that the struggles and humanity of the musicians is lost and restricted. Having both dealt in silence with mental, physical and emotional issues, we are now looking for a way to voice musicians' stories, discuss them further and to connect with the many others who suffer like we have. No topic will be out of bounds as we are committed to raising awareness for all varieties of struggle and hope to do so with some fantastic guests along the way. So join me, Hattie and guests as we attempt to bring an end to stigma by uncovering the things musicians don't talk about. Hello and welcome to episode 26 of Things Musicians Don't Talk About. Uh, It's me, Rebecca, in case you hadn't guessed. Uh, Today we have my first solo interview, which I was extremely nervous about. Um, But it was with the amazing Lauren McQuiston, who was a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant guest. Um, Yeah, so such an honour to interview her as my first, first interviewee. Um, Lauren is a Scottish soprano who's performed and studied all over the world. She completed her master's at the Yale School of Music and Indiana University and was a studio artist with Central City Opera. Lauren has received several prestigious awards, including the district winner of the Metropolitan Opera National Council Audition in St. Louis and Nashville. Today, we talk about Lauren's journey through alcoholism and into recovery and how that has tied into her career in music. Like pretty much everything we talk about on this podcast, substance abuse and alcoholism is a taboo topic in the classical music industry. And it was such a pleasure to hear about Lauren's thoughts and experiences with this. Well, pleasure, maybe the wrong word, but you know what I mean. Um, gosh, yeah, I really can't wait for you guys to hear this episode. Um, I am currently recording this intro under my duvet. Um, as per the advice by my BF, Stuart. So thanks, Stuart. I am absolutely sweltering. Um, As for how I'm doing, um, yeah, pretty good. I'm preparing for a festival at the moment of contemporary music, which I'm heading abroad to on Friday. Um, So a lot of my time is being taken up by preparing for that, which is simultaneously exciting and incredibly stressful. I haven't prepared for something sort of pressurised in a while. So, yeah, bits of anxiety creeping in and high motivation, but also low motivation and all that mixing pot of that. Um, Also just acquired a new kitten named Fasolka, which means little bean in Polish. She is the best thing in the world. So we are up to three cats now which is I think yeah I'm sort of ticking the the box of cat lady quite nicely um and yeah we at Hattie and I have been applying for some funding and planning lots of great things like that so thank you so 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 much to people that sent in words reviews testimonies about the podcast it all helps so much just add a little bit of bulk and uh a bulk and sort of impact to the applications so yeah thanks so much again um in terms of this episode in case you hadn't guessed we talk about mental illness addiction and other topics that can be triggering to some 
so if this sounds like you perhaps give this one a miss okay i'm gonna stop rambling now and let you listen to what you actually came for um, so this is the amazing Lauren McQuiston on things musicians don't talk about. Well, I'd like to give a huge thank you and a big welcome to Lauren McQuiston, um, who has joined us on the show today. How are you today, Lauren? I'm doing well. I am absolutely melting in the heat, but really happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Where are you at the moment? So uh, I am East London based. Uh, I'm in Bethnal. Oh, beautiful. Costa del Bethnal Green. (laughs) Very good. Um, So today uh, I was just going to ask you a few questions about sort of life as a musician intertwined with um, alcoholism and recovery from that. Um, And you said that you've talked a little bit on other podcasts and other platforms about um, your recovery. And I was just wondering whether you could give a little summary about, uh, yeah, just your life as a musician and alcoholism and how how that intertwines. If you can fit that into a summary, that sounds like a lot of stuff to fit in. Oh, yeah, there's it's it's so nice to be on a podcast talking about, you know, both of those things at the same time, because, you know, in many ways they, they are intertwined, you know, I. I, I'm one of those people that, you know, I, I could read music before I have memories. You know, I've never not been a musician. I was a, you know, started playing the piano from a very small child, um, was intensely in love with it. Um, and then I switched to singing when I was about uh, 15. I then went down the conservatoire route, did two masters in America, you know, so like music has been, you know, I, I, this I've had this intense passion and intense love for music my whole life. It's, it's literally my job. Um, and alongside that, you know, like I've got this, I feel like as musicians, we have this intense uh, passion, this intense sensitivity. We have these enormous emotions. Uh, the stakes of our careers always seem so high. So the the propensity to self-medicate, to uh, <laughs> escape some of that, to let some air at the tire has always been uh, really really high for me uh, and then you know going to music school it's it's a drinking environment and you're around loads of people that have similar dispositions so if you uh you know experience alcoholism you can really hide in plain sight um and like with like with every addiction whether it's you know a substance abuse issue a process addiction it really works until it doesn't you know it's a coping mechanism that takes you so far um and in my second masters it it stopped working like it really and it stopped working in quite a bad way and I just was kind of like I can't do this anymore um and that's that's when I found recovery um and I realized that you know all of this intense passion and emotion and everything I have that makes me like this kind of fiery artist I thought that like, you know, drinking and drugging was the tax I had to pay on that to exist in music. And I realized that kind of wasn't true. Um, And I can actually be that intense, passionate musician and actually turn up to rehearsal without a hangover and not make a tit of myself at after parties, which is is just a blessing that keeps on giving, really. (laughs) That is, yeah, fantastic to hear. And may I ask how long you've been sober? As uh, so my sobriety date is the 6th of March 2018, so I think that puts me at uh, three years and about uh, three years and some change. Well, congratulations. It's a huge oh, achievement from, I mean, 
yeah it sounds like like any addiction and as you say you're always around people in the music industry that it seems like they also have alcohol is like addiction problems it's um it feels very relevant yeah um, and I am definitely of the belief as well as like you don't have to be an alcoholic to have a problem with alcohol you know like I, speaking for myself like I'm, I'm an alcoholic I and I'm very comfortable saying that because I'm an alcoholic in recovery so like that's that's a you know abstinence is my choice and I, I hope to make that choice for the rest of my life uh however like you you can abuse alcohol and you can abuse drugs and, and not have to you know have that label and there's for, for all of the reasons like I mentioned before like the, the high stakes intense emotions uh all of that stuff like yeah like we we have that propensity to just want to escape like just that little taste of oblivion you know and it's yeah it's it's you know how many uh things you go to that the first thing uh, like events and galas and, and all of that stuff and it's you know first thing there's a glass of wine in your hands how many things have you been paid for with like bottles of wine like you know it's, it's an industry that kind of runs on the assumption that we're drinking you know yeah absolutely I mean as a I'm a trumpet player so I have Ooh. experienced um, <laughs> the world of brass players and alcohol and um, yeah it's definitely the norm that you drink and if you don't there I mean it's slightly better now but even at the beginning of my undergrad it was still very like lad culture mm. um, you know you might be one of the only not only women there but that put you sort of feeling at, out on a limb and then if you weren't drinking as well that felt like a double whammy so um there's yeah it just feels like it's the easier thing just to fit in almost um right so I completely yeah, get what like it does completely run side by side mm-hmm. um in terms of when um sorry I feel like I've got so many things I want to ask you um <laughs> when you were suffering um did you have many people around you that noticed or as you said was it hiding in plain sight people just didn't realize because everybody was drinking oh I I like I really love the way that you phrased that when you said that when you were suffering because like I think like one of the things that I want to like dismantle about like uh stigma against addiction is like we're not addicts because we're bad people like we're addicts because like we're we're suffering like you know there's there's something going on there so thank you for that word choice that was really beautiful um and yeah and to to answer your question uh you know I, th- I think it definitely was like a I think so I'm a singer so I'm very to <laughs> 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 take from that what you will <laughs> but uh you know we're we're kind of you know we we can put on a show we can put on a performance we you know a lot of our um the currency of our personalities how much of a show we can put on how much we uh parody ourselves sometimes you know um how bombastic we can be and when you're trying to you know escape yourself and escape your life you know leaning so hard into that like singer stereotype uh was really easy so people like kind of on the outside looking in were just like oh here's just another like mental singer with like you know histrionic personality disorder um Whereas, you know, the, the pe- there were people closer closer to me that, that realised and I had like a couple of, you know, a couple of rock bottoms along the way that like my, you know, my friends were kind of like, 
we are worried about you and I heard those words so many times and I was like yeah yeah I've got this under control it's fine I'm just a singer like I'm a musician it's like it's my intensity guys like it's my process <laughs> you don't understand um like while I hadn't like practiced in weeks because like I couldn't practice because it's such a like colossal hangover every day of my life um <laughs> so yeah it was uh and you know I I, I could string together like little bits of sobriety here and there. Like I could get like a month or I could get like, you know, a couple of weeks until like people, you know, the the incidents that I created had kind of like died down and I was like, phew, got away with that one, you know. <laughs> so I uh, and yeah, just like the the temptation and you know what you're saying as well, like being one of the lads, like I definitely uh you know, like that's that's another kind of characteristic of people that have used substances is like not fitting in, like and you know, wanting to feel accepted, wanting to feel part of and drink is that great social lubricant um and like I'm, I'm i'm from a farm in the southwest of scotland and like i was thrust into this world of classical music i don't feel like i fucking fit it in like yeah i i hadn't done the you know the courses and the classes that the people in my year had done i didn't know any of the festivals that people were talking about so i was just like you know i just just wanted to really really fit in and feel part of something and i was like oh well I'll just i'll just be I'll just be the drunkest person there and like have the best stories and everything so yeah yeah so back to the question after i talked for like 15 fucking minutes but it's amazing but it's uh yeah it's it's really when you're you know when you're in music school you go there when you're 18 you've had a strange existence dedicated to this niche art form you've missed a lot of your childhood you've not had the same upbringing as other people so you kind of don't know how to be a person so you don't really know like how to uh represent yourself as a person so you don't know how to say i'm in pain or you don't know how to say i you know this is this is harming myself because you don't know who yourself is you know who yourself is like how other people see you because we're performers so it's really difficult to let people in and, and ask for help in those circumstances wow I mean that yeah that's incredibly powerful um in terms of before so if you don't mind me asking when did you start drinking when when did it feel like it was becoming more of a pressure on your life oh that's such a good question um so um... I'm from Scotland, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> I started drinking quite young. You know, I was like a, mm -hmm. I was like a cans in the party drinker. I was like, you know, it was, uh, very, it was very culturally accepted, mm -hmm. but it is everywhere. Like, you know, that's every person with a drinking problem will say, like, well, in my in my culture and like, or in in yeah. you know, my my town or my profession, like, you know, absolutely, it's, it's everywhere. But but <laughs> I'm from Scotland, so you know, I started drinking young. Um, I started uh, drinking to self-medicate probably in my first year of undergraduate actually um, mm -hmm. prior, prior to that like in high school like it was it was still fun in high school it was still like you know just kind of fucking around uh, yeah and but but it was it, it was the intensity of undergraduate and the kind of the pressures of that and I'm you know I not to I'm not going to blame my institution I'm not going to say my institution made me an alcoholic I'm not going to say that like the you know that was uh it was that that was going to happen to mm -hmm. me like whether it was at music school or whether I became a fucking lawyer you know yeah um but it was yeah it, it, it was the undergraduate experience pretty much in the first year and just kind of the the onslaught of all the new stuff and this thing that I've worked for my whole fucking life finally happening <laughs> and the pressure of that and the fear of that that, mm. that really accelerated it um and then it was uh yeah 
So it was my second master's that I got sober. So it was uh, seven years later. It's so in school for ages. I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's so interesting because I I feel like yeah there is such a pressure, especially that first year of undergraduate. There's so many changes different city potentially different country maybe um mm. all these things and I feel like if I, I just always wonder what the well I don't always wonder but I just wondered um what is the ratio between like people that if they do um develop an addiction or some sort of uh, mental illness or something how many of those people for example with you um alcohol you know you had been drinking before and it was fun and so maybe it was like a little slice of home like it was something that mm. was maybe comforting or reminded you of good times or whatever and I definitely think that when you're in first year you have this you're in this limbo of being kind of still 18 and like in school age and then kind of in your new life in university and sometimes we do sort of hold on to things from mm. before music college or wherever you go just to sort of well, I, mean, I don't know I my my a lot of my mental issues um stemmed from when I was in school and yeah they de- they got worse again when I was in first year but it was all the same sort of things it was like I'd um when I was hitting rock bottom it looked pretty much the same as rock bottom as when I was 14 but I just sort of mm. transferred it to London um because it was yeah like, <laughs> um Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's incredibly interesting um and in terms yeah I the thing is about music and musicians especially people that don't do music they assume that music is our escape um and that being an artist is like oh we do it because we love it which you know is true but this is how we um express ourselves and this is our escape from daily life um but I mean for I know but for you um how does the or how did the escape of alcohol compare to the escape of music is it comparable at all oh my goodness that's such a good question um so it's it's so funny because I music for me um they they, they do run parallel because you know I was I was just born strange like I was born a strange fucking child who wasn't like we're, musicians. Like, we're, we're unusual to the core um so I was born strange and I was always trying to escape into something and I uh, you know I was always trying I was escaping into books I was escaping into perfectionism I was escaping into you know crushes on people like uh and then I found performance um and that's you know singing really spoke to me because I was like oh my god I don't have to fucking be myself like I can be you know a countess in 1750 thank fuck I don't have to deal with like my bullshit problems you know (laughs) yeah um that's you know that really you know put me into performing it was a way of like escaping self and then I made it my job and it became everything that that entails (laughs) so you know and and you know uh, that whole whole thing of wanting to evacuate self from a very young age, uh, if if you have a propensity to to drink, if if you have you know what I have, which is uh, you know being an alcoholic, like you find alcohol and you're like, oh thank fuck, like this is the thing, like this this is the thing I've been waiting for, like thank God. Um, and as I said, like way at the start, like it it really works till it doesn't. And it's as it's, and you know we use the term like process addiction. That's for you know sex, uh, eating, uh, 
smoking, like working, workaholism, that's a process addiction, which I don't think we as musicians are ready to have that chat yet, but like we've got <laughs> yeah. a lot of like toxic workaholism like in our industry, but yeah. let's, you know, mm-hmm. we're not ready to have Maybe that next chat. time. <laughs> so, yeah, and it's, um, it, it's so funny when our, you know, when it's like, when it's tied up in, uh, you know, it's like needing a holiday from your holiday, like music is, to, to me, music came as this enormous revelation that I couldn't believe that the passion of my life could be my job. And, but then the pressure mm. and then the stakes and mm. then everything to do with growing up and everything to do with, you know, those key years between 18 and 22, when we're in this kind of toxic environment. If there's a conservatory out there that's not toxic, I would love to hear about it. But I think we can all agree that there's complicated places full of complicated people. So, um, so yeah, it's, uh, so I do, I do believe that we are, our our haven, uh, our, our, you know, our, our haven of music becomes something different. So we, we reach for these other process addictions to evacuate self. So mm-hmm. that's the merit of the tire, or at least that's what, what it was for me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and performing for you, you said you found performing and that felt like an escape for you. Um, did you ever or do you ever suffer with performance anxiety? Oh my god, totally the opposite. Like that's the only time that I feel like normal. It's so funny. <laughs> I I would, you know, I really uh usually like if I, I get more uh nervous for public speaking. Like mm-hmm. speaking is is difficult for me because I, I'm I'm speaking like my words, you know, I'm speaking my truth. It's something that you know with uh I'm, I'm getting better at like obviously I'm like kind of fucking shut me up at the moment but like you know it's uh when, when I'm doing recital work or I'm doing like uh you know uh, character work that that feels to me like that that is something that's just being channeled through me like I, I don't have time to be nervous about that like mm. I'm I'm busy like you know there's too much to do in the work yeah it's too much to do man like <laughs> I'm like in a dress speaking a different language with this technique I've spent like 20 years trying to get perfect like I'm I'm too busy to get nervous I mean singers um, do have but like it's like there's acting and yeah costumes God, God, I don't know God. how you guys do yeah. it <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's uh it, it that's always felt like the most beautiful and natural thing in the world to me uh and you know he get loved you know we all want to be loved that's another like key characteristic people that abuse substances they want to feel loved and held we want Mm. we just want to feel okay in a world that we perceive as hostile so like when we're performing and we get that like I mean it's very conditional love but like you know at the end when we when we did a good job and like people are clapping it's just like oh this is it which is another high in itself but like yeah um yeah so it's that's that, that's when I feel and that, that's when I knew that like uh, drink was a problem for me because that that was where I felt whole and that was where I felt loved and safe and okay and I was I was fuck I was fucking it up like in the in the pursuit of alcohol like I was choosing alcohol over the thing mm-hmm. that made me whole and that's that that was one of like my, my my tipping points where I was kind of like I don't think I can do this anymore I don't think I'm drinking like my pals mm-hmm. that you know that can stay off it the night before a rehearsal because they've got a rehearsal like I you know and I think that's kind of the difference between someone that's maybe self-medicating and someone that that has a problem that you know they might want to consider recovery for Mm -hmm. wow yeah um 
do you think there is a parallel like for you why alcohol sort of you were drawn to alcohol rather than other things because like you sort of found performing and it was you're sort of in another body as it were performing and receiving love for it um I guess that could be compared to alcohol where you're I guess under the influence of something else sort of performing like you said earlier and and receiving sort of um people like drunk people you know they're Mm -hmm. fun and you know they receive attention do you think there is a parallel totally it's it's the great social lubricant it's Mm -hmm. uh it's it's the thing that when we're uncomfortable in ourselves it it promises us that don't worry like be with me like you'll you'll be comfortable you'll be fine you'll be loved and you know, I, I said for the longest time as a joke and now I say it's kind of like an illustration of how sad I was that like alcohol was my best friend like it was always with me like and it always made me feel confident and okay and happy and yeah like anecdotes and I like I kind of took on this like other role this other character um which really worked until it didn't until it tipped into like being a fucking liability but I mm-hmm. uh, yeah it, I, I totally resonate with what you're saying about you know, and the, the day the day after when like you're kind of telling the stories, like you want to have the best story, you want to tell the best story, all, all that stuff. Yeah, mm. that's that's really really relevant. Uh, and when you say you know until it didn't work, um, can you describe more? I guess what that means just for people that haven't experienced that. Yeah, I know it's it's so funny. Like this is uh, such a core thing of my experience that like when when I speak to you know people that kind of are on the outside looking in I'm like oh yeah shit like that's something that makes perfect sense to me but not maybe not necessarily and so the people so um you know alcohol drugs and process addictions they are things that we use to make our lives bearable they are things that we use to to get through the day um I I myself as well struggle horribly with mental health and there were times where my mental health was you know kind of in a dangerous spot and rather than enact that dangerous spot of mental health like I would just drink and I'd forget about it so it's so interesting to me to consider now like on the other side like now with you know three and a bit years right behind me that I had this twisted relationship with alcohol where sometimes it like saved my life because it was my friend it was my crutch it got me out of the house sometimes alcohol got me to rehearsals because I was so anxious and I was so not for the performing but for the social aspect for the grades aspect the aspect of just the, the the pressure of a career in music which you know it seems so impossible but it's all we want you know and we're, we're fighting for it so I had this like dread on me at all time and the thing that got me out of the house was like my my breakfast vodka you know so that that works but it's not a sustainable solution and it's uh where you know where this took me I, I just, just to you know tell a little bit about my story I you know I started kind of as like like a binge drinker and then that would uh that 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 accelerated to you know start and rather than starting at the end of the day to reward myself for good work done it started like in the middle of the day because you know the day was hard and I had to get through um when I moved to America and I I met lots of you know lots of new friends and I was kind of like oh great I can like characterize myself as like the mental Scottish women now like so that's when I started drinking earlier that's when I started drinking like in the middle of rehearsals and it was kind of like oh cheeky we Lauren like what's she like um and then I started drinking in the morning and that's kind of that's like the little characteristic of like maybe just maybe this isn't uh this this crutch 
isn't the best thing for me now but um where where that took me was um it just i you know alcohol is a depressant above all things um and the the way that my body started physically relying on alcohol i stopped taking care of myself i uh you know my my, my teeth got really bad um i the, the anxiety just got worse and worse and worse and worse and worse so like it's what used to quell my anxiety was actually um heightening it um to the point that i had like a full-on just anxiety attack meltdown i was in alcoholic withdrawal because i tried to get sober in a day which if you're physically dependent upon alcohol you should not do um so so i had this like you know just kind of meltdown in the production god it was the magic flute and i can't listen to the magic flute it just reminds the oh, memories are too painful <laughs> the magic flute is terrible as it is um but it's it's even worse because of this uh this kind of memory attached to it and and yeah that that was the moment where i was kind of like you know i don't think it's so it seems so funny i was like i don't think this is working anymore and like blatantly from the outside it's clearly not working anymore more like having an anxiety attack physically withdrawing from alcohol like with rotten teeth in my head like maybe just maybe maybe <laughs> i'm like what's you're not doing this anymore um and then when it got to that point how did you did you decide right i'm gonna recover now and if like, how did you go about it? Because I mean, it's incredible that you have, um, oh, but you know, not I. As you said, you don't have to be uh, binge drinking all day to have a problem with alcohol. I don't think a lot of people would know what to do. Right. So yeah, what did um, you do? It's uh, so I, I I went to the uh, the school like so so this was this was in America so they had like a health center attached to the school um and it was you know I was just kind of like listen I'm in a bad way like I I need help and I think that's like if you know anyone out there knows someone or is someone that drank like me like the most important words that you can say are I need help and have the willingness to take the help and I guess for me the, the major thing was willingness um so so yeah I just like I went to this the school like a doctor and they set me up with a counsellor um from there I I joined a 12-step program which uh is you know not for everyone but that was that was what I needed to to get and and remain sober uh for people you know that maybe don't share my story but are concerned about you know how they are drinking and you know would want to you know maybe perhaps change that I think like what is gonna what, what I see happening more and now that I guess I'm a I'm a sober recovering person, it's it's becoming more apparent to me. It's kind of just like talking amongst each other. Like if someone says, "Oh, I'm not drinking tonight," it is so free to just say, "Oh, that's okay." Do you want a coke? Like you know, it doesn't have you know. It's the a, a lot oh, of it. Go on, have one. <laughs> yeah, like no. a lot of it is like it, it it's going to be so helped by people just not forcing people to drink I suppose but also you know just accepting that like accepting ourselves I don't have to drink tonight if I don't want to you never have to do anything you don't want to period but you also if you do not want to drink then you are under no obligation to drink and no one in their right mind should be making someone drink who does not want to drink um so I think like the the discussions you know what's what's going to help people that want to really address 
how they are drinking or how they're self-medicating or other you know process addictions or substance abuse issues is just talking talking to each other and like yeah just acceptance and tolerance mm. and uh yeah and i it, there's I think that's going to be a really important thing going forward. I see a larger discourse of it now because I'm seeing a lot of people get sober just because they want to. Like mm. I, I'm, I'm fully aware of the fact I got sober because I had to. But I think it's so amazing that I'm seeing people that get sober because they want to. I think that's such a beautiful thing that should be encouraged. But yeah, and it is that thing of you don't have to not drink because you've had a problem or or because you... Yeah, there doesn't have to be a reason you never know what somebody's going through if you say, oh, go and have one. Like you, they might have someone really close to them that's recovering or or might just not yeah. feel like it. Like you don't have to have a reason. <laughs> like, why? Like, yeah. Why are you drinking? Uh, yeah, exactly. And like, I, it, it's so funny. I had so many like lies at first. I was like, oh, mm. I just don't want to mix with my medications. I just, you know, I'm this that the next thing uh as soon as you mention medication everyone's like oh okay I'll shut up yeah exactly (laughs) you know if if it's for if you don't you know if if it's even if it's just for one night if someone says oh I don't want to drink tonight I just truly believe the only answer should be oh cool like that's fine like that their end of the conversation that's Mm -hmm. all that has to be said in that conversation yeah um and yeah, if, and if someone does want to get sober, like talk to people about it. Like I, I was so ashamed. I kept my sobriety a secret from like my closest friends for a very long time because uh, I was just so, I was so ashamed that I like I felt like I'd lost a culture point. I felt mm-hmm. that no one wants to hang out with me anymore. Um, and yeah, just just a lot of fears of how how people would see me. Um, and I, I really regret that now because everyone was really accepting. Mm-hmm. My social life has got bigger as a result um, of, you know, not being a liability on a night out. Um, and, you know, people that love you should be happy that you are making a conscious choice to better your life. Like that, that kind yeah. of is a beautiful baseline. So uh, if if someone's considering not drinking or you know moderating their drinking or, or anything like that, or if they want to just full on like go into recovery, like hop on board, it's fucking great, man. Like do it. Um, yeah, talking to people about it is is really really important, and uh, you know making those boundaries with with people, it's it's a beautiful thing. And like my mentors as well, like most of my mentors and my teachers now know that I'm sober and it's mm-hmm. uh, it's it's really helpful it's also really nice for them to know like I'll never be at a lesson hungover which is which yeah, so yeah. pat myself on the back for that one <laughs> I mean I, I only teach seven-year-olds but uh I don't think many of them have come with a hangover to be fair uh yet <laughs> um uh did you have to um because often not necessarily for alcohol uh, for anything a part of recovery can be sort of yeah setting boundaries with people that have sort of enabled you in the past or that you tend to have conversations with them that actually are not going to be helpful for you um did you have to say goodbye to any friendships or set any sort of hard boundaries with anybody that's a great question I have lots of experience with that so with one of my closest friends um she was come to visit me in America and I remember thinking like oh my god like she's gonna think I'm so lame she didn't know so at this point she's like she's gonna think I'm lame she's gonna judge me she's gonna think that I'm like you know 
and she's not going to want to come so like i sent her this like insane text just like listen i'm really really sorry but i don't drink anymore and i know you probably don't want to come um and she sent me a text back and she was like oh thank god like listen i hardly drink anymore i can't handle it like i'm 28 the hangovers are too much and also you're a fucking liability when you drink so like thank god you're not drinking anymore <laughs> so so there was that one like i was really pleasantly surprised mm -hmm. um with a lot of my, my close friends um for 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 me um and you know the when i wasn't necessarily willing to admit that my problems were of my own making like i kind of blamed a lot of people i was like you're my enabler yeah but i kind of i just had to take responsibility for my fucking self you know and i just had to like uh most of the boundaries were in, within myself like i had to mm -hmm. say like i'm i'm not going to blame this person for something that that i was responsible for mm. um but also a boundary i have with myself is i don't put myself in dangerous situations so like if i know that there's a party that's going to be drinky or druggy um that i'm going to get nothing from uh i don't put myself in those situations but that doesn't mean that i can't be friends with the people outside mm -hmm. of that situation like that's taken me a long time to navigate and negotiate within myself and i i i have a, a you know an active social life uh under the pretenses that i leave when i want to like I'll, I'll commit to an hour usually i'll stay for way longer but i'll always leave when i want to um because goodbye is a full sentence like that you don't have to yes, <laughs> put it on a t-shirt like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but i did you know there were some kind of fair weather friends that i did lose and uh it was it's more the nostalgia that i miss because i miss being a teenager and getting really excited about getting fucked up in my rooms my room in halls you know like, yeah i miss not having to pay council tax and getting echo falls from the off license and drinking it at a table in a kitchen that I share with eight people like i don't mm -hmm. actually miss that person per se that was not directed at any particular person that was just uh like i was just you know i'm so friends with like lots of my people from undergraduate and they like love and accept me like as a sober mm -hmm. person like i still hang out with them i go to the pub with them mm -hmm. um just like yeah and it's it's a really lovely lovely experience because I get to introduce them to the whole safe and sane person that I am now and I also get to truly enjoy them like mm. without worrying about you know where my next drink's coming from or am I going to get too drunk tonight or you know the, this that or the third so um yeah it's I've, I've been really pleasantly surprised with the social life and friends aspect of it I I, I didn't lose many friends uh you know none of them like yeah. spring to mind uh but it has been really hard work just in you know within myself yeah absolutely I mean I don't think there's any way on earth that it couldn't be hard work um yeah and it's I guess it, it sounds like your friendships with those people have become simpler but as you say sort of more whole which is a nice way around yeah. things don't have to be complicated to be whole um, yeah totally it's it's so relevant as like to I think what I've been trying to you know illustrate the whole time like one of the complications about music school is we're so strangely developed as musicians and we're so thrust into this unnatural environment that it takes us a while to feel to be whole and find out who we are like I'm still working it out and it's it's really fun like seeing my friends from undergraduate now and you can tell I was educated in America because I'm saying words like undergraduate that's really embarrassing no, I think that's it. English as <laughs> so well. they say that here as well yeah um but yeah like see, seeing seeing my friends now and seeing how we're you know how we're dealing with the pains of growing mm. up 
it's it's really interesting and it's really yeah it's it's really really beautiful and I love doing that as a sober person have you managed to or have you connected with any other musicians that have had alcohol abuse problems yeah there's uh, a a couple of a couple of people uh I think because I'm quite I'm quite publicly sober uh, mm. I mean I'm not like screaming in the street but like people know me as like a sober person uh, and many people as well know me as a person in recovery um, I you know I've met people like if, if you're in a 12-step program you kind of you've got little sensors so I always I always know when someone's there so that's that's been really really cool and quite surprising like you know because a lot of people were saving a seat for me and like when I finally like came around they were kind of like oh she's here she's oh. arrived and I was like yeah <laughs> so that was that That's was a so really nice. nice experience um but yeah a lot of you know friends that are you know going through a difficult time and self-medicating that or you know they kind of have like a little you know something that, that gets their attention in in the way that they're drinking or engaging with the process addiction uh have you know they've they've reached out to me and uh I've been able to you know just kind of chat like we're chatting now just kind of like because 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 this is something that I have to take care of so that I can mm. remain safe and sane there's you you get a very large vocabulary around it and I think that like kind of the if, if someone's considering investigating their uh, relationship with drugs alcohol or process addictions there's kind of not a vocabulary for it um so I think that's like that's what I love you know when someone approaches me and says listen I've gone through xyz and I'm literally you know I can't stop self-medicating like it's it's really nice to be like oh well of course you're self-medicating right now life is intolerable like here's <laughs> here's some practical advice for what I did to you know get through those times and it's 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 truly I love doing it like I really really love doing it so I'm always always open to have that chat with people mm, I I find it sometimes hard when um because I yeah suffered with eating disorders in my teens and sometimes I struggle when people come to me for advice and yeah you can only say what helped you um and you want to be like I just want to emphasize like I'm I'm not a qualified expert so right. you, you should talk to someone professional but this is what helped for me and do you, do you ever suffer mm. uh, not suffer do you ever struggle with the aspect of people coming to you from advice and feeling like you have this responsibility yeah I I, I absolutely and it's you know it's exactly like you were saying like I'm not a professional I'm not the you know the the global representative of everybody's (laughs) universal experience of this but I do think you know give like after that kind of responsibility statement I think there's like something so beautiful about just kind of being able to communicate like what we've gone through and how we've got to the other side of it is like really standing in our story that's really standing in our truth and standing in holy shit like I've recovered from this thing that almost took my life and here's some experience for that take it or leave it if you like but this is what worked for me and I think that's kind of it's like the whole wounded healer thing like yeah we're not professionals that's actually quite cool like I Mm. cannot give you professional advice I can only tell you my story and I can only tell you what worked for me and that's that's really powerful because that lets me know that like if someone like me can recover then like literally anyone can like, <laughs> and I and I mean that like, I really really mean that um, but it's that thing that's... they still want to hear like even when you say look I'm not a professional but they still want to hear your story and that's always really I don't know about you but for me that's always really um validating and makes me 
want to keep going in recovery and keep getting stronger because you're like wow they have this interest and uh respect for me because of what's happened and because of how I've gone through it and they want to share their story Mm -hmm. um do you find that talking about stuff openly has helped you more absolutely I think it's, I have to be careful because like sometimes I am so open like with people like uh like I sometimes can give so so much away because like I am really comfortable talking about it so I can give so much away and then they're kind of like cowering in the corners and I'm like oh shit, yeah. I'm so sorry <laughs> like I forgot we're not friends like that yet um but yeah I I love I love that um I I, I really t- telling our story in our terms as recovering people is is really important because it's it's our reality and when you hear it from you know someone that's that's not experienced or been through it, it's like thank you so much for that information but we can we can gain the confidence of someone else that's in exactly the situation we're in just with that kind of like shared experience that shared peril that you know that thing that you don't have to explain mm. you know if, I, if I'm talking to uh, an addiction counselor who's not personally experienced addiction like they're kind of uh, you know they're projecting how they think they might feel in that situation when I'm talking to someone that like was a mentalist in a similar way that I am like there's just this insane felt feeling that's like you can't explain and to provide that space for someone for someone else that's maybe like not as far along the journey or maybe not as willing or maybe not as you know in a, a space of acceptance to just provide that space that might one day give them that little seed of willingness to seek help or want to get better mm-hmm. It's, it's that's a superpower we have that's an actual superpower and we are so lucky like not to say i'm glad or grateful that any of this stuff happened but like we're, we're lucky that we can position ourselves now that yeah like that all all of that shit was not for nothing we can actually be you know useful human beings for people that will tread our path in years to come yeah beautifully said um and i do think so often the music industry can feel so hostile and actually any chance to get more allies in any capacity to just know that somebody else feels the same way as you do or is going through the same thing you know so much in the music industry is so like it's just unsaid and it's so taboo and it's so keep it under wraps otherwise the audience will know that you're not this perfect person on stage um and yeah any chance to just like gain a little bit of no we're in this together I'm not gonna not book you next time because you're a bit rubbish Mm. or or you have this problem or I don't know just yeah allies in the music industry are very needed totally and it's it's really you know if, if you cross the intersection of like you know not coming from a from a wealthy background or not coming from or, or coming from you know a, a different position of society that not that isn't the majorly represented demographic of classical music which I think we all know what demographic I'm talking about like if you if you know that you've got to be like the the perfect representation of you know yourself lest you be you know that you, you've just got to be so much more perfect and you've just got to be so much better to get so much less than you know what is you know on offer for uh, other people in different positions so it's uh you know if you have one of these th- things you know if you have that little thing um that that makes you vulnerable or makes you you know people might consider you a flight risk like I, I just want to break that stigma down as like you know that's 
we all have something like even the people that like I'm seemingly holding in contempt right now for like sitting at you know a higher seat in the table they've got their shit too like that's something I need to remember like we are all in this together and it's these human experiences that that will bind us and are will keep us sane in this as you say hostile industry amen I know that Hattie would usually say that so I'm dropping that in there for her um (laughs) um, and how do you because there will obviously always be highs and lows of being a freelance musician um Mm. so how do you go about dealing with them nowadays what what are your go-tos what's your toolkit oh my goodness my toolkits uh so I am a big uh I love a toolkit I'm 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 so like I've got so many answers to this okay so the baseline there's like an acronym that I learned uh in in one of the uh the the things I did in the early days of recovery which is halt which is hungry angry lonely tired I think those are and and I add on another h for myself because that's hormonal so hormonal (laughs) hungry angry lonely tired so if I am like if I'm you know circling the drain because I'm exhausted and I've not got landed an audition and I feel like it's pointless and my pasajo's like fucked up that day I like assess in myself first like am I hungry am I hormonal am I angry am I lonely and I tired if I'm all five like I just need to narrow my you know narrow what my expectations of myself for that day are and take care of those baselines um so that's kind of like the basic needs um spirituality is really important to me like I'm a I've I've got a lot of spiritual practices Um, meditation is a key part of my day Um, I I pray I'm I'm not denominationally uh, religious but I I pray like I have a higher power that uh, of my own understanding that I keep you know we're tight I keep close with them so uh, that's that's really important to me Um, that's like healthy distraction like not dissociating not you know evacuating my body to like daydream meanderingly like healthy distraction into you know things that are enjoyable like books and art and all, all like remembering that music and art is the prize mm-hmm. like remembering the, my the, my kid self that fucking loved this so yeah just kind of engaging with that wee kid um and remembering that amidst all the disappointment like it's actually really really fucking cool like to engage in the in the beautiful things in life Wonderful. Well, I feel like that's a perfect way to close off what's been an yeah an incredibly inspirational chat. So honestly, thank you so much for oh, coming to chat you. to me. Uh, I know I'm just a, another random person on the internet that's just contacted you. So <laughs> thanks for not thinking I'm weird. Uh, you might still think I'm weird, to be fair. Uh, <laughs> well, and you would be true. Look, that, that's right. Um, so yeah, thank you so so much, Lauren um and yes we'll see you again next time on things musicians don't talk about